All right, good morning. Welcome to another episode of the Millennial Momentum Podcast. This is your host, Tom Alamo, and this show and company is focused around millennial personal development. And I think in order to get to the next level, you want to make more money, you want to start a business, get in better shape, have a strong relationship, whatever it is, you need three things. You need a killer work ethic, positive attitude, and a little bit of momentum, which is forward motion with energy. So I'm hoping that this podcast, the blog we put out, everything we do can be that spark, that little bit of momentum for you and really for me uh, to get to the next level and get where we want to be in life. And if you find any value here, would love if you're on iTunes or wherever you're listening to just subscribe, leave a quick review. It means a lot. Um, and you can find out more about what we're doing on millennialmomentum.net, full blog, show notes, book recommendations, podcasts, videos, everything. And you can also find me on social media at Tommy Tahoe on Twitter and Instagram. So hit me up. Let me know what you think of the show. I love to engage with uh, the listeners out there. It's really one of my favorite things is when people hit me up and tell me about their story or what they're struggling with. So I'd love to hear from you. Um, and without further ado, let's get into today's conversation. So this is my first recurring guest coming on the show. So I'm pretty excited about that. And we're talking about how do you work with your significant other? So, um, you know, I come from a family that is a family business. My grandfather owned a business uh, where my dad, my uncle, my aunt all worked for it. Now they own it. Um, I'm not involved with that, but I know a lot of the dynamics of the pros and cons between you know working with people that you have some sort of relationship with or you're married to or your siblings or your parents. And we get into that a little bit. And I think the trend of doing business with pleasure, I think has grown a little bit, or at least has become more mainstream. I see a lot of husband and wife combos you know, doing great things in business. I have an episode coming in a few weeks of three brothers that are killing it uh, with a coffee business. So we want to get into this topic, and Jay, uh, Jason Pfeiffer and Jennifer Miller talk about this, and they just wrote a novel uh, called Mr. Nice Guy. just came out yesterday, October 16th. Check it out. Uh, but they have a you know really strong backgrounds on their own, and they talk about the creative process and what it is like to, you know, talk about um, doing this together while they each have their own jobs and they do this kind of in their spare time. And it was kind of a side project, and um, you know the different creative processes that went into that, and maybe some fights and all that, all that good stuff, and what it was like for them, and, and gives you some real light if you're interested in potentially starting a business with a friend or a significant other or someone in your family about what that's really like. And for some background on who these two lovely people are, they had me in their home, but first for that as well, so I was pumped about that. Great people. Jason Pfeiffer, editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, former guest on the podcast. I think it's episode 33. He has a mantra, I'm not fucking around. I love it. He hosts two podcasts. One is Pessimist Archive. The other is Problem Solvers. They're both really good. Uh, check those out. And then he also obviously co-wrote this novel, Mr. Nice Guy. Jennifer Miller, uh, she's the author of four books. Most recently, Mr. Nice Guy. Her journalism also appears all over the place. New York Times, Washington Post, Mag, Bloomberg Business Week, Entrepreneur, Fast Company, more uh, everywhere. She teaches at Columbia University, and they're married. 
obviously. So I really think you're going to like this episode. It cuts out a little bit at the end because uh, of a few technical difficulties that were all my fault with a new recorder I got, long story short. And without further ado, let's get in this conversation with recurring guests, Jason Pfeiffer and Jennifer Miller. Jason Pfeiffer, Jennifer Miller, welcome to the show. Good morning. Th- thanks for having Hi, us. Hi, good morning. <laughs> Thank you. Thank- thanks for having me in your lovely home. No, thanks for doing it. I think, <laughs> is this the first, this is the first time... We've been interviewed in We've our home. We've been interviewed in our home. Yeah, this is it. This is my first uh, in other home uh, interview before, <laughs> yeah. and my first recurring guest. Second, uh, second wow, time lots, on, lots so. of firsts. Yeah, so uh, excited to have you guys on. Um, so you just wrote a book. Let's yes. Get, let's get into it. It's called Mr. Nice Guy. Yes. Um, I'd love to hear from both of you about, we'll, we'll get into the book and the concept of it, but maybe where the idea came from and why you're writing or why you wrote a book together. Yeah, sure. Um, should I take that? I'll take that. Well, sure. Why don't you just give the like two sentence synopsis? Yeah. So that people know. Right. What, what we're talking. What we're about. talking about. <laughs> right. So we're talking about. It's called Mr. Nice Guy. It's about two people who each week sleep together and then critically review each other's performance in a magazine. Their sexual performance. Their sexual performance. <laughs> right. That's true. Um, right. It's not. They're not singing. Uh, and uh, so it was an idea that came from me when I was in my twenties. Really, mm. uh, I'm not in my twenties. I'm 38. We're both 38. And I think we're just on the millennial cutoff. Well, I think we're just a little older. Yeah, I think it's like thirty-five or something. I heard Close enough. I've heard nineteen eighty-two as yeah. the as the starting year, and we were both so born in nineteen eighty. Mm. So, if you want to end the interview now, because we're not actually <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pack up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I had this idea because I had I, I was corresponding with this sex columnist. She had reached out asking for freelance writing advice and. I was just sharing contacts with her and ideas and whatever. And um, in doing so, had this idea for this setup. What would happen if two people each week slept together and then wrote like really critical, almost like they were writing, like re- reviewing a movie, uh, mm-hmm. but they were actually reviewing last night's sex. Like Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, like Rotten Tomatoes. Um, like what would that be like? What would happen? You know? And I tried to write it and I just couldn't I didn't know how to write fiction I didn't have any guidance on it and it was a real right idea wrong time situation which I which is I think something that a lot of people will experience and should just like you shouldn't abandon an idea just because it's the wrong time and also to not execute an idea right at the moment does not mean you are abandoning it like, I think that's really, like, important. Like, I never felt like I abandoned this idea, even though I came up with it probably more than a decade ago. And that was long before we met, also. Yeah, right. Long before we met. Right. And uh, and so it really wasn't... I told Jen about it very early. I mean, I remember, like, possibly even telling you about it on our first date. Because mm-hmm. um, she had told me that she writes novels, and I was like, oh, I have a novel idea. And... She's probably like, oh, God. Yeah, well, everybody's... <laughs> yeah. Everybody's got a novel idea, right? Everybody's got one. And... eventually I um, eventually well so what happened was that she sold her most recent novel and was asking me what I thought she should do next and I said you should write my novel because I'm never going to write it and she said well we should write it together Mm. and thus began the project yeah I mean yeah I I, um, you know I thought that the concept the setup was was really fun Um, you know I 
the the books that I've done in the past have been like a little more literary, like not like, you know, super stuffy literary, but um, but I'd never done something that was this commercial. Um, and so that was kind of a challenge and it seemed like it would be fun. But I knew, I knew that that all of the columns, like the two people actually like reviewing each other, like I knew those columns would have to be in the book. And I also knew that that probably writing wise, like wasn't going to be my strength. Yeah. So that's why I asked Jason. That's why I said this has to be a joint project. Cause I knew that like we both had strengths that we brought to the table um, and that he would just really kill it on the columns. Yeah. Which he did. Thank you. <laughs> so what was the process of you two writing together? It sounds like you have obviously more of a literary background and he is, you know, more on the columnist from entrepreneur mag. Um, how did the process go of like you two writing together at the same time, all of that? Yeah. yeah. So we definitely, we definitely were not, um, you know, sitting next to each other, mostly looking at the screen, like on a shared word document, like writing over each other. That would have not uh, worked. No, that would have been awful. Horrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. There are people who write in Google, like they like write and edit in Google Docs. It happens in magazines a lot where like a writer will write and then they'll send it to the editor and then they'll work on it simultaneously. I refuse. I refuse mm. to do that. I cannot, I cannot write when other people are, are looking at what I'm doing, like literally word for word. So when people send me Google Docs, I, I actually, I copy the entire thing and I paste it into a regular Word doc so that it is just mine, and I work on it, and then I paste the new thing back into the Google Doc. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> oh my God, you're so, you're so old, Jason. Yeah, yeah um, that's right. And then I p- put it on a typewriter, <laughs> and then I find a pigeon that carries it. <laughs> there's a there's a book I don't know if either of you read it about. It's called On Writing by Stephen King, and he talks about. Oh, that's supposed to be so good. I, yeah, I, I just read, read it. it. It's good. It, but one of the big things he talks about is writing with the door closed, and it's like. When it, he's writing, like that's his world. Like no one knows about it. He doesn't tell his wife. He doesn't tell anyone about what he's writing until he's ready for that review. So maybe you're not. I mean, you're kind of crazy, but maybe not that crazy. <laughs> right. Um, well, so basically, what we did was we so we plotted out the novel together. Yeah. So we spent a lot of time, road trips, dinners, vacations, just like a lot of our downtime, just kind of like batting around ideas, like, you know, here's how we think the plot should unfold. Here is, you know, so there's two main characters, Lucas, who is a a 24-year-old, kind of ditches his life in South Carolina, drops out of law school, breaks up with his fiance, dreams of making it big in magazines, so moves to New York, gets a low-level fact-checking job at a at a kind of uh, magazine that is based on New York Magazine, but it's like a little gossipier, like a little more sensationalist. And um, and then he goes home one night, uh, unbeknownst to him, with the sex columnist at his own magazine. Yeah. And he has what he thinks is the best one night. I mean, he's never actually had a one night stand before, but <laughs> but to him, this is like blown his world. Right. Um, and then he opens the magazine a few weeks later to realize that it, he has slept with a sex columnist at his own magazine, and she has eviscerated him. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we needed to develop these two characters, this kind right. of naive but very ambitious young man, and then Lucas, and then Carmen Kelly, who's the sex columnist, who, she's old, right? She's about to turn 30, right? Ooh. Which, <laughs> as a sex Ancient. columnist, yeah. Well, in the media, I mean, you know, yeah. you really get pigeon, you get stereotyped and pigeonholed as a yeah. woman, depending on 
the beat you're on. I mean, that's like a whole kind of secondary plot. But but we wanted, so we needed to develop these characters. Like, who were they? What were their motivations? Like, what was driving them? How would they interact together? So we just mm. spent a lot of time kind of, um, you know, figuring out, you know, where they came from, what they wanted, um, how they would interact together. And then in terms of the actual writing, um, once we kind of had a plot outline and we kind of had our characters, the character framework, I, I wrote the majority of the book. Yeah. Um, and then Jason um, wrote all of the columns mm-hmm. that, they, that they write each week um, and then did write some of the scenes um, as well. And then we edited each other's work. So we would you know, go through and read what the other person had written. Um, not over the other person's shoulder, just, right. you know. In the word dog. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and we'd edit it and, you know, kind of come to, uh, come to some com- common ground. And that was how the process went. Uh, do you create the characters, and maybe this is the same for all your books, but do you create them based on people you know, or is it all in your imagination? That's a great question. Um, so, you know, it's funny. So we are both professionally, so I do write novels, but I'm also a full-time journalist as well. Um, and there is very little that ends up in my books that doesn't have some basis in right. in my own experience yeah. or based on people that I've met, even, even just like when I have the, when I kind of have the, the physical image of a character in my mind, it's usually based on someone that I've encountered right. in, in my life. Yeah. Um, and, and the same, the same thing is true with this book. I mean, we definitely drew a lot on our own experiences, um, dating in New York, yeah. um, floundering around dating in New York, um, right. and also in media, um, the like, crazy the like crazy parties that we've been to and that the outsized personalities yeah um the editors that we've worked with who were insane and um I don't know a lot a lot of that stuff um definitely we've drawn on on some of our past relationships on our present (laughs) relationship (laughs) um so yeah there's a lot there's a lot from reality that makes its way into into the book interesting and so you mentioned that you guys put it together. The original idea stemmed a while ago, but you were putting it together during your downtime and road trips or over dinner or whatever that is. But like, did that conflict at all with like, hey, I've been working all day. The last thing I want to do when I get home is work on this versus the other person was like all jazzed up. Like, did that cause conflict or or what was that like? I'll let Jason take this one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, the answer is yes. Um, I mean, so the... The roles were the roles were consistent. The roles were that I was always the person who was coming home and was fried and was not ready to focus on this. And Jen, who one was doing the bulk of the actual writing, but two makes book writing a part of her day in a way that I just can't. Uh, she had been wor- she would have been working on something and she would have hit a place where she needed to talk through it or she wanted my feedback on something and she the time to do it was when I got home from work literally the second Jason walked in the door yeah. oh my god Jason I have this yeah. great idea we yeah. have to brainstorm right, right. now right yeah. and I like I that was I, I was it was def- it was challenging that was that was definitely one of the most challenging parts of this process for me was yeah. that I really I sometimes I just needed uh, just needed a break and right. um and you know it's like you also you go through I have this you know it's funny um I, I can remember sometimes 
Occasionally, this doesn't happen so much when at Entrepreneur, but this this would happen a lot at Fast Company because Jen wrote a lot at Fast Company while I was employed at Fast Company as a senior editor. And sometimes she would be in the office and then like just working in the office, and then we would leave together and we would mm. head off to whatever. And I had a, I remember. Do you remember this? Like I had a really hard time sometimes just focusing on our conversation, uh, like when we were leaving the office, or and like. And the reason was because I. I am. I have gotten into the the habit of having some moment of mental shift. Like I leave the office, I get on the subway, I listen to a podcast, I play Candy Crush, and that and like <laughs> and then I do that for like yeah. half an hour, right? And right. that just I feel like that just enables my brain to just shift from one gear to the next, so that by the time I get home, I'm ready for like family time or right, right, friends right. time or whatever it is. Like I'm I've I've I'm filing it all away from work time. And, uh, and so, so like the problem with fast company was that we would, we, they're just, the transition would be immediate, right? Like then I would be, I would be walking out of the office and then I'm with my wife and we're like talking about something else. And I like didn't have that time to process. And so, um, with the book, oftentimes I, w- I would have gone through that. I would have had half an hour on the subway and I would have been playing Candy Crush and I would come home and I'd be like ready for something other than work. And then Jen would be like, let's talk about work. And so <laughs> it was hard, right? It was yeah, tough. Yeah. And um, and so I, you know, I, 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 it was like day to day. Sometimes that was frustrating for me, but, yeah. but when I look back upon it, of course, I am very happy that we have this book and right. that book wouldn't have happened had Jen not been doing that because my, in my impulse would have been to n- not do that to yeah. come home and not work on the book. So that she was there pushing it along is what enabled it to be created. It, it's interesting that you say that because, um, we were talking before and, and I, I do the podcast on the side. My full-time job is in sales and I actually work with my girlfriend and we have the same thing where like, I'm the same exact way as you, where I like, you know, I, I live about 15 minute walk from work. So like, that's my time where, yeah, I'll listen to a podcast or music or nothing. And just like, I walk and like that 15 minute gap allows me to get into work mode and out of work mode. And sometimes we'll leave together and I won't even remember like what we talked about, I'll be kind of like in and out of things. And it's just, it provides such a unique shift. So it's, I was interested to hear that from you that like, I'm not the only weird one. Cause I think she does a better job of, all right, the second we walk out of work, like we can talk about, I don't know, food or <laughs> animals or whatever, you know, anything not work related. Yeah. I, I mean, I have a hypothesis here, which um, is uh, this hypothesis is three seconds old. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how good it is. Um, but that, I, you know, people work differently. Uh, I actually just did this package for Entrepreneurs October issue about how I talked to like really, really busy about how they, busy people about how they manage their day. And it was super interesting hearing from the, you know, like Naveen Jain, who runs a space company, and mm. Randy Zuckerberg and Stanley McChrystal, and anyway, they all do very different. They all do things very differently, right? It's some are are really solo project workers, which is to say that they will devote one day to one thing. Like mm. they were like, you know, we're doing this thing today, and or this company or whatever, right? And then there are other people like like me um, that try to do as many things at once uh, as I possibly can, which means that I'm. I'm const- I have it, it feels very much like I take a filing cabinet every day and I just dump it onto the ground and then I got all this stuff and then at the end of the day I really I have to put like every file back into the folder and put it all back in the filing cabinet and then I do that all over again. So when you work the way I do, I think it probably is harder to transition out of it mm. because you have so many different things going and I will often on the subway and Jen will see 
see this happen to me also throughout the evening, right? And sometimes like in bed, sometimes like we'll, we will be, we will be in bed, lights out, 10 minutes later, I'm on my phone and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm sending myself a note because like I'm going through oh, yeah. all these things and I'm like, oh, got to do that or oh, I forgot to do that. And so, and I'm just like constantly, it's all putting the files back into the folders. That's what it <laughs> is. And um, if you don't work like that, I'm not saying, and like, this could be a very unhealthy way to work, but this is the way I work. But- then, then I think it's probably just easier to transition from one to the but other. But do you think, though, that it... I mean, because I kind of work the same way, right? I am in, in a given day. Like, let's just take today, right? So, like, we've got the podcast in the morning. I do contract work for um, a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm multitasking on that constantly throughout the day. I've got um, a story that I'm writing for Medium, um, so I will be going through interviews. I have to actually go out into Brooklyn and report later today. Um, I've got to finish up another story that I'm doing for Bloomberg. So, like, I'm doing a similar thing, right? Um, I also work from home and am... And have a lot of flexibility. I'm I'm just wondering because I'm I'm multitasking. I think in a similar way, but I'm not in a like any kind of professional structure like you are. I'm not commuting. I don't know. I'm just I wonder whether like being a freelancer, kind of everything is like self driven. I'm not like really accountable <laughs> to anyone. Like if that. Well, do you have trouble transitioning out of your workday into the into the post part? I mean, I guess my transition is usually picking up our son, um, mm. which actually doesn't require any mental energy. I mean, he's three, so we can't, he's not like talk. I mean, he's been talking to me, but he's not, not you know, real we're, we're not having like, you know, right. We're, deep we're, conversations. we're not having deep conversations. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, maybe I just, maybe that time is just, it's longer, like it's more, and it's more gradual. Right. It's not as abrupt. Right. Maybe that's, that's why. Well, but also you will, but you also... I do you before you leave to pick him up are you working like right up to that point or sometimes. have you yeah or sometimes sometimes I realize that um I can now watch younger on iTunes and then I'm <laughs> and then I'm watching and then I'm watching younger or or if it's bachelor season right what what you know watching you know 15 20 minutes of of yeah. the bachelor to decompress before I have to go get Fen so interesting and it's probably that's an interesting point that you brought up bringing bringing your son or going to pick him up versus like if you're working from home all day and then like you just shut it off there's no commute there's no like marker in your head otherwise that's like all right work is over because I'm on the subway or I'm walking home or I'm driving home because like you're just you're in the kitchen working and then you're in the kitchen like making dinner exactly. and then your brain's like not sure what to do right right so Very i've heard much. of people like making up a commute to like walk <laughs> around the block and then they're like, all right, now work's over. Yeah, I think that, I think you need it. Yeah. I think you need something like that. Um, you just need a marker to and, and an ability to, to, to shift. I, I think that if I if I approached my personal life like my work life, yeah, I would be insufferable. <laughs> you know, I just would. Like you just wouldn't want to be my friend. And I'd be, I'd just be, I'd like be moving too fast and I'd be thinking of, I'd just be trying to multitask you and a bunch of other things. And it just like, it wouldn't work, right? Yeah. You need, you need to develop the, the, the habits and the patterns that work for you in different circumstances and then afford yourself the, 
time and ability and space to shift between them. Which yeah. isn't to say that we're not always working in our downtime because I feel like we are. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But we also really love what we do. So it's not, it's yeah. a little more seamless. Right. But also, you know, it's funny because we do. Yeah, we'll work. We'll we'll work into like as soon as our kid goes to bed, we'll we'll often work. Um, you're well. No, you're working. I do. More I'm, I'm watching trashy. That's TV. right. <laughs> I will work. Um, it's that's often like part of the creative process, though. So. <laughs> no, it totally is part of the creative. Actually, yeah. I have to say, like you know, I, you know, being a being a literary person, I I do not feel bad at all for the vast amounts of television that I watch, Mm -hmm. even the reality television that I watch, because you actually learn a lot about how, um, how stories and narratives are constructed and also just about like how people react in various situations by watching, by watching comedies and dramas and, and, you know, especially if you're working on, on commercial fiction, like Mr. Nice Guy, watching, you know, like watching The Bachelor and The Bachelorette actually is like, pretty helpful right you know if you're trying to create moments of high drama yeah yeah you want to immerse yourself in <laughs> moments of high drama yeah, the bachelors yeah <laughs> well i think it's different if you're watching it thinking about all right like what's the storyline here like how are people reacting versus you're just watching it like without a thought in your head that's how i that's how i process television and yeah. movies like i i i'm no thoughts, you're saying. No, no, no. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm only thinking, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm often experiencing it less as, as a story and more I'm thinking about the creation of the story. Mm. Like I'm thinking about how they plotted it out. Like, you know, like I feel like the, the most common thing that I will say after, uh, after we watch a movie or something is always like, that was really well written. Or like, mm. you know, or like that scene was really well crafted. Like that's, I, that's how I think about it. I, that's, that's, that's how I enjoy it. Mm. Interesting. And so let's go back to, I want to go back to the book for a little bit. All right. So you probably can't reveal the ending and and all that, but so these two writers, they're going back and forth on their sexual escapades. And I would imagine that they probably start off pretty brutal. Yeah. Or she starts out pretty brutal reviewing They both start out pretty brutal. And um, I would have to imagine, I haven't read the book yet, but they start to maybe get nicer and maybe they start to fall in love. And <laughs> There they, has to be a narrative arc. Yeah. And um, then they get into maybe a relationship and then, or they think about, is that going to affect my work? Is that going to affect like all these other things going on? Like, is this more of a romance or is it more of a comedy or is it like about like how to not suck at sex or what's going <laughs> on? First of all, do you watch a lot of romantic comedies? Because <laughs> you seem to have the genre down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the notebook last weekend, so um, it's in my head, yeah. Um, it's kind of all, it's all of the above. Yeah. Um, so yes, their relationship has, has a trajectory that is, um, that for part of the book follows what you've outlined. What you've outlined. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the challenges is that for the, for the first half of their relationship, Carmen Kelly, the sex columnist, she's obviously a very public figure. Mm-hmm. Lucas, who is sparring with her, is actually anonymous to the public, and in oh. fact, anonymous to um, his boss and okay. his bosses at, at at the magazine. Right. So, in the beginning, this is kind of happening. He's kind of afforded the cover of privacy, mm-hmm. and then at a certain point, that changes, mm. and now they're having this relationship out in public. 
Mm. And that really changes the dynamic. So then we're really able to get into, you know, some, some, both like some, some fun um, elements of, you know, of kind of internet culture, like, you know, oversharing when you're in the public eye versus, yeah. you know, being able to have that cover of anonymity. Um, and, and what it means to actually have this kind of contentious um, relationship right there. Right. Like all these people watching you. Contentious, yeah. not contentious. That's not a word. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's, you know, it's you, I mean, you, you rightly kind of zeroed in on a lot of the tropes of the genre, right? And so we were aware that that is where people would expect it to go. And then you have to do this balance as writers of staying somewhat true to I think I think that good writing and good good magazine making good good content creation of any kind is striking the right balance between um, predictability and surprise yeah. mm. you know um, so it's like it's almost it's it's a little easier I think to talk about it in terms of in terms of like a magazine just just for because it's like more of a product so you know if somebody picks up entrepreneur magazine um, it can't be all surprise. You can't pick up the magazine and like suddenly it's Seventeen magazine, right? right like right. surprise. Like you know it's going to be about some right, sort like of entrepreneur. Too much surprise, right? Like there's a level, there's a reason people come back to it, and that's because it has to have some kind of predictability. They know in a way what they're getting, mm. but at the same time, if you're not surprising them with new information, if you're not, uh, if you're not giving them more than what they came for, then they're not going to come back. Right. right. So it's 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 predictability and surprise. And the same is true with writing a novel. So you know when you get into this that like if you if you started reading this novel and it's like as soon as they start sleeping with each other, they become aliens, right? Mm -hmm. And now they're like in space. Like that's <laughs> bad surprise, right? Yeah. So you need to level keep to some kind of predictability. People come to it, they're expecting a kind of rom-com of sorts they want the characters to, to develop a relationship with each other but then what happens along that journey has to be surprising enough to keep people going right. well i mean the other thing is that you know in the traditional rom-com genre like the way that that often plays out is you've got the woman who is single and unhappy being single yeah. and is kind of, um, you know, she's the one who's rescued by the guy, basically. You've got, like, a pretty woman scenario. And that's not in any way how this book plays out. In fact, mm -hmm. it's not even how it's really set up. I mean, she's the one who ha who holds the power Right, in the she's the dominant one. Yeah. For, you know, quite a while. Right. Um, in a lot of ways, she, you know, it's about this woman who's educating <laughs> this, this kid, um, who thinks he knows a lot yeah. and, and and actually doesn't really know you know half of what he thinks right. he does, um, and then of course Carmen um, you know as the you know quote unquote powerful one, um, there are areas in her life where she um, and particularly like in a professional sense and again I mentioned earlier like the challenges of being a woman in media um, you know has kind of been sidelined in a lot of ways career wise and so mm. for her in, in some ways the, the challenge of the book is is really claiming that authority and autonomy and her voice for her for herself so so in a lot of ways um, it's not the traditional narrative where yeah. it's like guy meets girl, guy saves girl, girl and guy run off into the sunset. Right. It's, it's really about like girl teaches guy a lot of stuff and um, and then girl kind of goes up against the power structure. Which is kind of like today's it. culture and 
you know, tagging on on some of that as well. Exactly. Interesting. Exactly. So what's the what's the goal? I've never written a book, obviously, so I don't know this answer. When you write a book, what's the goal? Like, what does a successful book look like? Um, well, this is a good question. I think I think a, for me, a successful book is a book that um, that readers want to keep turning the pages, mm. that they feel invested in the characters and the story. Um, I mean. Primarily, I want for at least, well, for this book, yeah. um, I want to write a book that is fun to read, mm. that people are going to miss their subway stops. Like, mm. that's, that's the goal for me, for yeah. a book like this. Um, and maybe you'll gain a new perspective, or you'll learn something, or whatever. But, yeah. like, primarily, like, I want you to be so absorbed in this book that you're late to work. Right. So it's the qual. it's not necessarily the, I want certain number of sales or I want to be on this list. I'm sure that's, I'm sure that's maybe part of it. I definitely nice, want the but, sales and I definitely right. want to be on the list, but I feel like but it's that's, the quality of work that drives it and like that you're proud of what you put out there. Absolutely. But I also think that, you know, in some ways, I mean, in publishing, it's really hard. Like there's not necessarily a correlation between the quality of the book and how well it does. That's super true. <laughs> you see people, you see books on the bestseller list and you read it and it's like, this is terrible. And then there's books that were written in like 1920 that no one knows about that are like freaking there, awesome. There were books that were written yesterday that no one knows about that are really awesome. Yeah, that's true. I wrote some of those books. <laughs> um, but, um, but you know, we're, we're, you know, I think every time, every time you write a book, you're hoping that those two things align. Mm. And, and we're really hoping that, that it aligns. We feel good about the book that we wrote. We think that it's fun. We think it's absorbing. Um, we think that people have a good time with it. So yeah. go buy it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, so when I talk to when I talk to entrepreneurs and they release a book, the releasing of the book is not the point. Mm. Right? The the book is actually about uh, serving as a lead gen for their business, or it's about getting higher speaking gigs yeah. or higher paid speaking gigs or whatever. Uh, when you're talking to more of a pure creative like Jen, it it does become a lot more just about the product, though, though what she didn't say, but of course is very true, is like another goal is to sell enough copies that you can do it again. Right. Right. Like mm. that, that like the what's the point of the book? The point of the book is that I, is that, you know, she loves like I, I really say it for her because this is my this is this is this is my first book and, and very much a kind of a side project in a way for me. But it's it's really very core to what she does. Um she wants to, she loves writing books. Mm. And so she wants to write books that people like, which will enable her to continue to do it. Because, mm. you know, if you write a bunch of books that people don't want, eventually no one's going to publish your next book. Right. And, and then you got to um, do something else. Right. And then, and so an author lives in total fear of that happening. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Inter interesting. And so what's the, what's the creative process? Because you're both very creative in your own ways and you're due... I mean, I know you collabed on this book, but you do different things in your day-to-day. -day. Um, so I'm curious, you mentioned listening to podcasts. I'm sure you read quite a bit, especially if you're writing a novel. So can you walk me through what that process looks like to spark your creativity? You want to, you want to I mean, Jen, Jen reads a lot. You were, you were plowing through books all the time. I do, I do read a lot. Um, but you know what, my, my, my tastes and what I read have, have really changed. Mm. I think, I think particularly now that I have a kid and I'm, I, I feel like I have less 
mental bandwidth to yeah. to actually like think about literature in in a way that I did when I was younger. So I'm actually reading. I'm. It's funny. Like I think when I watch TV, I'm actually paying more attention to how things are constructed mm. um, than when I read. I'm actually just reading for an escape, and so I'm looking for books mm. that provide me that that escape. Um, that's I don't know. That's interesting. I, don't, I, I yeah. And then and then the podcasts. It's funny. I don't really think about a connection between. The podcasts I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, but mostly just to get information. Yeah, um, political information, cultural information. Okay, um, they're not like a storytelling type of we, podcast. <laughs> we listen to storytelling podcasts before we fall asleep. Almost okay. every single night, we'll yeah. listen to an episode of The Moth or yeah. an episode of Risk, um, yeah. something like that. But that's kind of more like. The trend just like helping us just like, like relax a little like, bit. Yeah, like chill out and and, and go to sleep. Um, yeah, how about you, Jason? I, I found <clears throat> I found that I'm best on the fly. Okay. Like um, so I think that I've been I've like particularly with this book, I felt most creative when we were just talking it out. Yeah. Like like we mm. would just be talking through what should happen. And we're thinking through it, and and I almost feel like it's a logic puzzle. Like I feel like, like okay, we've got these elements, and we need this, something to happen, and then I just put them together, right? And yeah. it's like, okay, well, if you do this, then this will happen, and this will happen, and then it'll be an awesome scene, and then I can like see it cinematically, and then I get really excited, and I start telling Jen, and she starts scribbling down, and um, and that's been that's been it to me. Like it's not. I consume plenty of media, actually considerably less media than Jen does. I don't watch that much TV. I like to stick to one television show at a time. Like we're currently watching The Americans. Okay. And I do not want to watch anything else but The Americans until we're done with The Americans. And we watch one episode a night. So it takes a while. And uh, and I do, listen to a, I do listen to a lot of podcasts. And I love podcasts. Um, and, I, and I rarely read books. I just don't have time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm getting less creative input. Uh, but I've just found that like when I'm in an environment, if you can create an environment that enable <clears throat> that like enables you to be creative, yeah. it, that environment could be as simple as talking to your wife about a story and you're just really focused in on it and you're just like trying to solve a problem in a creative way and you just start spitballing. That to me is when it starts, it just starts coming. Like yeah, I, I agree. And I think, I mean, I, I would say like for any aspiring novelists out yeah. there, um, at least this is what's been true in my experience. Um, like I, for me, it's not about like creating conditions for creativity or trying to like immerse myself in creative things. Like the book gets written because I've carved out time to sit down and write it. Yeah, and you stick to it. <laughs> and, I, and I stick to it. Yeah. Um, and anything that comes out, like the creativity obviously happens in the process, but it's not something that I'm thinking about. It's not something that I'm like, you know, preparing for. Right. Um, it's really just about the work. Mm. <laughs> um, and 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 that's how, the, that's how the book gets written. I really, really believe, I mean, I... I was in um, an MFA program, um, and I think the difference between the people who ended up with books that got published and people who didn't publish books was that, for the most part, 
the people who ended up with books that got published were just doggedly doing the work. Yeah. Um, got the feedback, threw out half their book, mm. rewrote it, submitted it again, got the feedback, threw out half their book, rewrote it, submitted yeah. it again, and, and basically just kept forging ahead until until they got it to the place where it needed to be. Whereas like a lot of people are like so talented, much more talented than me. But for whatever reason, like they just don't, they don't finish, they don't put in that work or they give up yeah. too soon. And then, and then they don't end up with that professional success. Well, a lot Succe- of, in- if I can just su- summarize that really yeah. fast, successful creative people don't approach it thinking of themselves as creatives. They think about it as a job. Right. They treat it as a job. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to that episode. Really hope you liked it. Uh, If you did, if you found any value, wherever you're listening to this, uh, please head on over uh, and give it a five-star rating, subscribe, review, whether it's on the iTunes app, whether it's on Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, if it's there. Um, Really appreciate you. You can find me at tomalamo.com. T-O-M-A-L-A-I-M-O.com for the blog, all the show notes, and Tommy Tahoe uh, on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Find me on Facebook. I'm everywhere. So thanks so much. Grateful for you. Have a great week.